Hey folks, you're listening to Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. Thanks for checking in with us. This is a special bonus edition of Grit and Glitter because this previous week's episode on Tuesday was so jam-packed with content we couldn't fit everything in to one episode. So for you lucky listeners, two episodes this week. Our last episode was Living Legend Mickey James Part 1. This is our series where we chronicle the lives and careers of some of the stellar wrestlers of marginalized genders working today, women and non-binary wrestlers with track records, with huge resumes and hopefully huge futures still. When last we left off with the story of Mickey James, it was spring 2010. She had just been released from WWE following a reprehensible storyline with Lay Cool, known today as the Peggy James storyline. Where she goes from there after being let go from WWE, her dream promotion, that's where we'll be picking up the story right now. Mickey releases her first album. It's a country music album entitled Strangers and Angels. She self-releases it through iTunes. It doesn't get like much mainstream attention at all, but she'll keep at it. She spends the summer of 2010 back on the independent scene. She wrestles women like Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, and September 22nd, 2010, she signs with TNA. Mickey debuts in TNA, feuding with Madison Rain and her old rival, Tara, formerly Victoria, now Tara, in TNA. She wrestles Madison Rain and Tara a lot in take matches with partners. Uh, Tara one week in a singles match, Madison Rain another week. At the final resolution pay-per-view in December, she takes on Tara in a false count anywhere match. Tara wins thanks to interference from Madison. It's around this time, December 2010, that she also starts dating fellow TNA wrestler Magnus. Uh, also known as Nick Aldis, backstage. Hey, I wonder if that'll work out. And the feud continues through the winter into February. February 13th, 2011, against all odds, Madison Rain, Mickey James, in a last knockout standing match for the TNA Knockouts Championship. I don't know if this is the first time ever, because we didn't watch every single one of her matches for this episode. We, we cherry-picked here and there. But this is the first time that we've come across Mickey rocking some Native American themed gear. Yeah, and I mean we're we're definitely um, a long way away from her first WWE Women's Championship gear because uh, like Mickey and so many women of her era, as they continue working, their gear story actually gets better and better. Like for the most part, um, I'm sure that there are exceptions, but like. For the most part, every time we see Mickey in these matches, like going forward, like her gear and her looks get like better and better, like more suited to her body, um, less odd or froofy or like when she won the belt against Trish Stratus, that costuming, that that gear is 
weird. It's got like a fluffy belt around a half ruffle sleeve in a skort. It's giving sorority slumber party. It, it's giving sorority slumber party and you got caught in the sliding glass door coming out to the pool and half of what you were wearing is no longer there. And then you had to put a fuzzy bath towel around your waist. Um, but no, now you like you look at this match, you look at the matches that we're going to talk about in a little while. And like, yeah, it just gets sleeker. It gets better. It gets more um, informed by her own personal style. And like clearly like she starts being able to like have a say in what her gear looks like and what her like her overall aesthetic looks like. And it just it suits her so much more. This match overall, I was underwhelmed by, I'll admit. I put it on the playlist without watching it first, and after watching it, I was like, it was it was okay. I felt it was important to choose a Madison-Mickey match from this era. The story is, Madison's got this loaded glove that she wants to use, she's been using it for a while, Mickey sees it coming. There's just a bunch of missed opportunities, I felt like. Like, early on in the match, they're at ringside, and Madison pulls Mickey, so she goes face first into the ring steps. And I'm fully expecting Mickey to blade and come up like all bloody, but she, she doesn't. They, they just she just comes up normally, keep wrestling. Later on in the match, there's a segment. Madison crawls under the ring. Mickey crawls under after her, and you like, oh, what's going to happen now? And it's, and all that happens is Madison crawls to the other side, and Mickey crawls at the other side, and they keep wrestling. <laughs> like nothing happens. She doesn't come out with a weapon. Nobody else comes out from under the ring or anything. It's a lot of that. I'm just like waiting for something like cool to happen. Nothing cool really happens. And then as you'd expect, Tara runs out, gets involved, and the heel remains champ. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's fine. It doesn't really give, this particular match doesn't really give you the sense of, you know, what Mickey and, and what Madison and what any of these women are able to, like we're, we're doing or able to do in TNA that, at this point in time. Um, but it's perfectly serviceable. It's, it's, goes on long enough um the finish is weird like it's the, the finish is just awkward because um tara comes in for the interference mickey takes her out and then there's this like weird like three second delay where it's like it's clear she's not exactly positioned where she's supposed to be or like she's not there yet or madison's early but like there's this it, it's just odd like until madison can get those brass knuckles on like it takes an extra beat that it should and it makes the pacing seem off well, that whole thing. So Mickey steals the loaded glove. She uses it to knock out Tara. Mm-hmm. And then Madison pulls an extra set of brass knuckles out of her boot. She punches Mickey out. But then she, like, hides the brass knuckles back in her boot. And it's like, why are you hiding it? It's, a, it's an anything-goes match. Like, who cares? You could punch her in front of the ref. Like, you can't. It's, it's illegal. Yeah, like, like it, yeah. It doesn't. It's, it's fine. And she, <laughs> like, she punches Mickey out, and then she goes for the pin. And I can't tell if that was like character work or if she accidentally she actually forgot it was like a last knockout standing match but the referee's like there's no pinfalls it's it's like last woman standing yeah it, it's it, it's a match where i don't i i don't know it, it it's not bad it really isn't a bad match it's just it, it doesn't quite uh it doesn't quite cohere like it, it's not very it doesn't quite gel the feud continues two more months into the lockdown pay-per-view that April. And this time it's Madison versus Mickey, title versus hair. If Mickey loses, she'll be shaved bald. I don't know what they had planned for the pay-per-view, but whatever happens in the build-up to the pay-per-view at a house show, Mickey separates her shoulder. 
which really uh, hinders what they can do in the ring. So in kayfabe, they explain it by having Tara run over Mickey with her motorcycle. <laughs> and at the pay-per-view, Mickey beats Madison for the title in 34 seconds. It's like a bigger squash than when she squashed Michelle McCool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it really counts, Mickey James will take you out. Mickey has a lot of these, like, she she holds the women's title for an hour in Paris and then drops the title an hour later. She wins this title in a minute. She wins this title in 34 seconds. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the mark of a of an interesting career that like she does have kind of a, a there are stories behind her title wins. Like there are like she's got storylines behind these too. Like none of these are like fluke things. They have a running storyline feud. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny that like it ends up being squash matches half the time. Summer of 2011, new knockouts champ Mickey James defends the title against Madison again against Brooke Tessmacher. She starts feuding with Angelina Love and Winter, which results in Winter beating Mickey for the title that August. One month later, Mickey wins the title back, and 10 days later, Winter wins it back. Oh, okay, again. <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. Mickey spends the fall in like number one contender matches. She challenges in a four-way match at Bound for Glory. Doesn't win. Gail Kim wins the title instead. Mickey challenges her twice in December and January, but Gail wins both times. And as 2011 comes to an end, Mickey is again named PWI Woman of the Year 2011. She's only the second woman in history to win the award twice, the other being Trish Stratus. And to date, in 2023, Mickey James is the only woman to win Woman of the Year twice in two different promotions. A lot of women have won it multiple times since, women like Charlotte Flair, but nobody has done it in two different promotions, only Mickey. Yeah, I mean, it says something about, well, it says something about the women's division of WWE at the time, but also it just says something about Mickey James and, like, her continual, like, continually being booked that, like, you know, TNA wasn't WWE. It's not, Impact isn't WWE now, so TNA definitely wasn't WWE then. And yet, like, she can make her name regardless of the promotion she's in. That's that's really cool. It's true. It's, it remains true. 2012, Mickey does a bunch of these multi-person number one contender matches. TNA loves them. Impact still loves them. We just saw one at the pay-per-view last week. Yeah. <laughs> Put three or four women in the ring. Winner gets a title shot. Mickey's in a bunch of these to start 2012. Doesn't win any of them. She does get title shot in June against champion Brooke Tessmacher, but Brooke retains. And then they start to do the storyline with Velvet Sky, where it looks like Mickey might be turning heel on Velvet. But instead, Velvet ends up asking for her release from TNA over contract disputes. So the story's dropped. Mickey goes off TV for like three months. She returns in November. On her first night back, she wins a number one contender battle royal for the right to challenge Tara for the title at final resolution in December. But Tara retains. They do a rematch on TV a week and a half later. Tara retains again. We enter 2013 and Mickey's back doing multi-person number one contender matches. This is what I'm saying where like the Trish storyline is so memorable because there was all this character work and all this whatever. We got like a year here where Mickey's coming off of being PWI Woman of the Year and she's really not doing much. She's doing these multi-person number one contender matches and that's it. 
there's no character work. There's no like interesting beats. She's not like cutting really like crazy promos or segments that people still talk about today. She's just around. It's interesting. I mean, it feels like the Trish Stratus storyline came in that she came in with um, was her brainchild, was her idea, you know, inspired by other storylines of similar regard. But like, yeah, it was Mickey James's idea. And it feels like when left to the devices of people who are not Mickey James, they don't always really know what, how to book her effectively or where to put those storylines um, after, you know, after she has a run. Um, and I guess it, you could say that for pretty much any wrestler, like they can struggle with uh, a lot of promotions struggle with knowing how to book a person after they've had some kind of championship run. But like, just weird. Like you have this person who has a very dominant presence in women's wrestling. You have her on your roster and you were using her really prominently and now you're not. By spring 2013, Mickey's 14 years into her career and she's starting to branch out doing other things. She's well known in wrestling, obviously. She releases her second country album, Somebody's Gonna Pay. This one is funded through Kickstarter. They make a music radio for Hardcore Country, which will end up being her new entrance theme. And they make a music video for the title track, Somebody's Gonna Pay. Somebody. We got Trish Stratus playing a bartender. We got Nick Aldis playing uh, like a creep, I guess. He, he dumps his girlfriend because she's too clingy and boring. And then he shows up at Mickey. I'm reading the subtext here. Then he shows up at Mickey James's concert at Trish's bar with his new girl and starts like feeling her up in front of his ex, which is like not cool. And then he goes up to the stage and he slaps Mickey's ass while she's in the middle of performing. Yeah. And so she smashes her guitar over his head. Yeah. Also, um, it's worth mentioning that like when he's like kind of like feeling up this like new girl, he's like making intense eye contact with the old one. It's very weird. <laughs> But it's fine. It ends with them kicking her, kicking his ass. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey smashes her guitar over his head. Then uh, his buddies, like, try to get involved. His buddies, like, <laughs> come to his rescue. But Trish is like, uh-uh. And Trish lays them all out in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, it's great. It's like the, like, love is a battlefield scene. Uh, the, the like, love is a battlefield music video with Pat Benatar, where, like, the dancers, like, they dance, Pat, they dance off the, the horrible pimp at the dance club. Um, it's just like that, except with actual violence. And for the record, it was Jeff Jarrett who was on set and taught Mickey how to swing a guitar over a man's head. It felt He actually familiar. went there. He came down to the set, uh, the music video, and did that for her. Double J, the Double J special. Um. Uh, Nick Aldis does some acting in this, um, and it's great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It, apparently, it wasn't good enough to land him a role on Psych, though. Oh, it's too bad. He would have. He would have had his pick. He would have been all kinds of <laughs> evil oral baron. Characters, characters, welcome. So again, Mickey, Mickey's music career. Her albums aren't getting like huge you know they're not writing grant they're not being nominated for grammys they're not getting played on mtv regularly anything like that but she does open for rascal flats montgomery gentry and gretchen wilson and me who knows nothing about modern pop country even me i'm like oh, i've heard of those people yeah gretchen wilson's is actually kind of like i mean you know around this time she also appears in a promo for dr pepper which is weird. It's not like a com- I don't know where this would have aired because it's not a commercial. It's too long for a commercial. And a lot of it's like a little like biofilm of her talking about her career and how she got into wrestling. It's shots of her like on her like ranch. 
my two favorite quotes from it are Dr. Pepper, we used to drink it all the time at the horse farm. <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny to me, just because it felt so so like wedged in. <laughs> and then at the end, she has to do the Dr. Pepper catchphrase, which is, I'm Mickey James, and I'm one of a kind. <laughs> well, if you are craving what, uh, what she, the, the, if you're craving something that, it, sorry, let's see if I can build a tagline out of this. Um, if you've got a horse farm sized thirst, reach for a Dr. Pepper. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Except if it's Dr. Pepper. And then uh, nine out of ten horses agree that they will drink it if led to it. There you go. That's not a mouthful. Perfect. Print. Back in Impact Wrestling, sorry, TNA Impact Wrestling. Thank you. It's April 2013. Velvet Sky is back. She, after, four months after her release from the company, she ends up working things out with TNA. She gets a new contract. She comes back and she wins the title. Mickey, meanwhile, beats Brooke Tessmacher to become number one contender. And so now we're back on track to do the storyline we were going to do earlier of Mickey turning heel on Velvet Sky. They have a match for the knockouts title. James keeps going after Velvet's injured knee, which is kind of in kind of like a heelish way, but Velvet retains. They get a rematch. Mickey goes after the knee again, and this time it's enough. Mickey wins her third knockouts championship. A week later on Impact Wrestling, she cuts a heel promo, calling out Sky and belittling her. And about a month later, she turns full heel for the first time in seven years. This is the first time she's been heel since the Trish Stratus stalker story. Wow. And again, she didn't really stay heel in that story. So now Mickey is the heel knockouts champion. She's defending against Gail Kim, Serena Deeb, but she loses the title to ODB. And shortly afterwards, news breaks that her and TNA have failed to come to terms on a new contract and she's left the company. First Velvet Sky, now Mickey James. Come on, TNA. After leaving TNA, Mickey appears in this WWE.com feature where they interview her and they talk about her time in the company. So the speculation starts to rise. Is she going back to WWE? But no, she goes back to the Indies instead. She goes to Maryland and wrestles Kimberly. She goes to the UK and wrestles Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray. She goes to Chikara. We talked about this on the last Living Legend episode and teams up with Jazz and Victoria as part of the uh, King of Trios tournament. She goes to Shimmer and faces Nicole Matthews. September of 2014, her and Nick Aldis welcome their first child, a son named Donovan. Three months later, they get engaged. And one year later, on New Year's Eve 2015, they get married. With all of this, with TNA behind her, WWE behind her, a newborn son, a new marriage, Mickey's seriously thinking about retirement. She can still wrestle. like she's Physically, she's good to go. She's not injured. She's not past her prime or anything. But she says, it's not that I can't wrestle and I can't go anymore. I don't want to retire on the indies in Hoboken in front of 200 people. I just don't. I just would rather quietly go in the sunset and stop taking bookings. I had Donovan. Maybe just think about the next chapter in my life. This could sound dismissive uh, to those of us, myself included, that, um, you know, love our indies that attract 200 or less people in the audience. But like... You gotta remember this is somebody who 
did a lot of time in major companies and held major championships in her time there. Like it, it's reasonable to not necessarily want to like continue burning yourself out until you have to retire in the like smallest scale of your career. It, it makes sense to a large degree. So she's seriously contemplating retirement, hanging it up when seemingly out of nowhere, WWE announces that she'll be challenging the undefeated Asuka for the NXT Women's Championship at the next TakeOver. This is told to us NXT viewers, October 2016 on NXT, Asuka picks up a squash victory over Zelina Vega, and after the match, William Regal walks out and says, Asuka, you say you've beaten everybody, you say you want some real competition, we're going to Toronto for the next TakeOver, I found you an opponent, and he points to the big screen, and it's Mickey standing out amongst some trees, presumably on her horse farm. She says, I've beaten all of the trailblazers who paved the way for you to be here, Asuka. And I'm going to take the NXT title from you. And Asuka's in the ring, like (laughs) foaming at the mouth with excitement. (laughs) It's It's, so good. It's so good. It makes up for for having to watch Piggy James. Yeah, she's like, salivate like literally the commentators say like Oscar looks like she's salivating at the prospect of facing Mickey James and like right away that's just like that puts her over huge right it's great I I really want to I mean I really want to know if Oscar knew like if they had already told her and then- you would assume everybody knows all these things but yeah it's such a it's hard to say because it was such a genuine reaction, but Asuka's also an incredible performer and like has a, in, in just like an incredible range of emotions um, that she can display so like beautifully on her face, like of facial rest, like facial performers in wrestling. Asuka is underrated and among the best and her like body language and her facial expressions in this moment completely put mickey james over like if i had not watched anything else if i didn't know anything else and i saw this i'd be like holy shit that must be a huge deal like she this must be like the woman and it's great it's really great it's it again like it's so rare to have someone who has been you know has a veteran presence being treated with any form of respect but in in this way wwe actually does do right by by mickey james it's it's fantastic and the the debt goes to oscar because she sells this moment and makes this moment like even more tremendous than it's supposed to feel like it's just great it's it's really nicely done it builds such momentum going into their match some backstory for this one triple h reaches out to mickey james and asks her if she is interested in a job as a trainer at the nxt performance center she thinks about it because she is really considering wrapping up her in-ring career but she says, I'm not ready to make that career move yet to trainer. Because once you move to trainer, that's kind of like the final, like, that's it. My in-ring career is definitely over. I'm a, I'm a coach now. I'm training the next generation. So he says, okay, well, tell you what. Asuka's been in NXT for 13 months. She's held the title for seven months. She's undefeated. She's never lost a single match. And NXT has just been gutted. We just had the latest WWE draft, and NXT lost Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, and Carmella in the span of like two months. 
the only women left on the roster are all still relatively new. You got the Iconics, you've got, uh, I think Rhea Ripley just showed up, maybe people like that, but they're very new still. They need time to grow and get established before they face Asuka. So he thinks it'd be fun to bring in like a skilled ring veteran for this one-off and also for somebody that would give Asuka just like a great match. Just like, let's just do a great match. And Mickey says, okay. It's a, I mean, I don't want to focus on Asuka here because it's not a story about her, but like, um, I think it's a testament to how powerful she is in the ring that like the, you know, her and her fan base are demanding something, someone who is going to be able to match her in ring abilities and notice this to anyone working in NXT at this time. Um, but like that pool is limited and someone working at Asuka's level available in NXT at that moment just didn't exist. Like t- t- barely exists now, honestly, because of the level we're talking at. So bringing in a veteran of the women's scene, a veteran of, of WWE's women's scene, a champ, a former champion, that builds their brand, it, it touts their legacy, it touts Mickey's legacy, it establishes Asuka as someone who needs a that level to like really be um, potentially potentially foiled. Like it works for everybody. It's good it's really good booking. <laughs> a large part of the reason Mickey's considering retirement at this time in twenty sixteen is that she's worried that the big stages are behind her. She did WWE, she did Impact. There's not really anything else left. It's just downhill from here. So being given this opportunity at an NXT TakeOver in Toronto Live on the WWE Network, she thinks, okay, well, if this is my last match, I'm okay with that. This could this could be a great final match for me. And so she's seriously considering that this could be her final match when she heads into Toronto for her first match in WWE in six years. Um, I was in the building for this one. Whoa. And our seats were so bad that I don't remember anything. <laughs> we were up in the nosebleeds. I was like, wow, these were terrible. Like this, this arena is way too big. I can't see the ring. I don't appreciate any of this. Uh, yeah, bummer. Do you remember what the main event for this takeover was? <sighs> Shinsuke and Samojo? I mean, hell yeah. Maybe. The hi- the highlight of the show was Champa and Gargano versus FTR. Ooh. That was like the, the hot the hottest take team feud in WWE in years, decades. I mean, and this is a big moment for NXT too. So like Mickey James like being there is also being a part of this like, you know, NXT of this rise of NXT as the place where WWE wrestling actually like where wrestlers actually get to wrestle. So Vicky James being brought in to like, you know, augment this only showcases her as a wrestler. It's this, again, this booking is really, really good. H knew what he was doing here. Asuka has been undefeated in NXT for 13 months. So she's really got a big head. She really thinks, knows that she's better than everybody else on the roster and has no respect for anybody or anything. But for once, she's seemingly showing respect here to start the match, at least. Like, she's she's acting like, okay, Regal's found me a worthy opponent. But then quickly she goes back to her old way. She's, like, condescendingly holding the ropes open to, like, let Mickey into the ring. Um, 
other than that though yeah hell of a match you know <laughs> surprising nobody you know Mickey takes a German suplex on the floor. Mickey does a single leg crab into a mooder lock. She does a thuz press off the top rope. She gets a mick kick, but Oscar gets her foot on the ropes to break the, the fall. Just a, just, just a great match. Yeah, yeah, really good. I highly recommend. November 19th, 2016, NXT TakeOver Toronto. It's it's really solid, and it goes... It goes for as long as it needs to go. It feels like a credible, a credible length for both women. Um, you just, you can't, at this point with Asuka, they can't do anything less but give her a showcase match. And this is absolutely a showcase match. In the end, Mickey is forced to tap out to the Asuka lock. After the match, she offers a handshake to Asuka. And even still, Asuka just laughs in her face. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a, what a bitch. <laughs> This this era of Asuka is the best. I'm sorry. Talk <laughs> about Mickey James. We need to do an episode about Asuka so I could just rave on for the for an hour. Mickey says later, you hope for those moments. You hope that people and the fans are going to remember that they're going to give you that same respect because you see it happen and you see it happen for the guys all the time, and it's oh. so great. It's so true. It's so true. Well, due to the how great the match was due to response from the fans. Whatever the reason is, Mickey is re-signed by WWE. But a month later, December 8th, 2016, Mickey re-signs with WWE, and she doesn't retire. January 17th, 2017, Mickey re-debuts on SmackDown. She's a heel, and she's helping Alexa Bliss steal the women's title over Becky Lynch. Then, um, quickly downhill from there, about two weeks later, it's the Royal Rumble. Mickey's wrestling her first main roster WWE match in seven years. It's a trios tag on the pre-show of the pay-per-view. And uh, they lose. At Elimination Chamber, she gets a one-on-one with Becky. She loses again. And then by March, like two months into the story, she's already turned face and started feuding with Alexa in a feud where Alexa calls her old and washed up. Mickey's 38. Yeah. I can't wait to be old and washed up in... Um... <laughs> a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got a month. you only got a month. i got less than a month. Oh, no. You're going to be old and washed up soon, Harley. WrestleMania 33 rolls around, and Mickey is relegated to a six-way match for the SmackDown title. She doesn't win. Man, easy come, easy go. A week later, she is drafted from SmackDown to Raw, not for disciplinary reasons this time, just as part of the Superstar shakeup. She didn't, like, like gain a shoe size or something? Apparently, Raw is a promotion, so maybe she lost weight, and they're like, congratulations, you get to go to Raw now. Good job, Patty. The spring of 2017 is just multi-person matches, more of these, you know? Six-person matches, eight-person matches, ten-person tags. By July, she's wrestling on main event. Main event is the D show, okay? You got Raw, you got SmackDown, you got NXT, and then you got main event. Nobody watches that show. And Mickey James is wrestling on there nine months after she re-signed with the company, less than nine months. October, she gets to challenge Alexa for the women's title at TLC. It's her first time on pay-per-view in six months but she loses, Alexa retains. 
And then we're into 2018. 2018, it's the first Women's Royal Rumble. We get a really fun callback with her and Trish meeting, facing off for the first time in 15 years, face-to-face. Trish eliminates Mickey from the match. And it's fun in a microcosm, right? But the fact that this is her moment in the Rumble coupled with the way that she's been booked the previous year, which is like on main event and in six person tags and eight person tags and not doing anything and not having any character growth of any kind really seems to sell the idea to me, at least that management just sees her as a nostalgia act, not a new character to do something with, just be like, Hey, remember Mickey James? Look, she's here. Yeah. You take this like great bit of like veteran honoring, um, booking, from NXT and you turn it into like, okay, well that's really the only way we see her is somebody who like was a significant member of our roster and now is just, you know, here. And that's the exact trap that you fall into with veteran women's wrestlers when it comes to WWE. That's what they do with them. Um, Very small handful aside. Um, So that's what made the, you know, in contrast, the storyline with impact and Mickey's last rodeo. Like that's what makes that storyline that much more impactful. Is that like, it's actually giving a story about somebody being in the business that long. And that person being a woman wrestler and not a male wrestler. Those stories happen all the time for male wrestlers. So yeah, this is just like kind of proving how impactful that story is in comparison, because it's just, this is what usually befalls a woman who's been in this business for as long as Mickey has been active in the business. A month after the Rumble, Mickey turns heel again and aligns with Alexa again, one year after they split up. WrestleMania sure. 34, it's a battle royal. Maze, triple threat, then it's a gauntlet match. Just more of these, just like take a bunch of women and stick them on one match. By August, her and Alexa are hanging out with Alicia Fox, and they start feuding with Trish and Lita to build to Evolution, the first all-women's pay-per-view. The plan is Mickey and Alexa versus Trish and Lita, but three days before the pay-per-view, Alexa suffers a concussion. So it has to be Mickey and Foxy taking on Trish and Lita instead. It's the opening contest. It's evolution, so every, all the women get treated with respect for, like, one night. <laughs> one night, special ladies night special. All of you guys get to be treated like um, that we actually value your your participation. <laughs> Speaking of gear, the heels come out in what, Alice in Wonderland-themed gear. Uh-huh. Alexis is Alice. Alicia Fox is the Mad Hatter because she loves to wear hats. And Mickey James has, like, some Queen of Hearts gear, which is really cool. <laughs> And yeah, it's a good match. It goes 11 minutes. We got, you know, everybody wrestles everybody at different points in time. And in the end, Mickey takes a chick kick from Trish for the pin. Yeah. Send the fans home happy. It's the it's opening match, right? Mick, Trish is a guest star at this point. Mickey's a roster member, so. Yeah, I remember um, I watched Evolution, one of the rare WWE pay-per-views I actually watched and, you know, recent years um and i yeah uh i wasn't super into this match when i watched the first time and this time around i wasn't super into it again um maybe because i had become jaded with with mickey james's booking in wwe at this point um but 
uh, this match gets a little sloppy. There's like moments where it feels like, oh, there was one point where like, uh, Trish had, had, had Mickey in a pin and like, I, Fox was supposed to break it up and there's like a really awkward, like awkward count. Um, there's some, there's some timing issues here. Um, clearly Fox was not like supposed to be the second person in his tech, in her tech. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 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 it's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not embarrassing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm really not saying nice things about the smash. Um, it's perfect. It's perfectly fine. A month after Evolution, Mickey does get to challenge Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship, but she loses. And then December of 2018, Mickey sets history. She becomes the woman to wrestle the most matches in Raw history with her 164th match on Raw. 2019, she's eliminated from the Royal Rumble in 11 minutes. Her and Alexa fail to qualify for the Elimination Chamber. WrestleMania 35 is just another battle royal. April, she's drafted back to SmackDown from Raw. June, she suffers an ACL tear during a house show match with Carmella and has to have knee surgery. And she's expected to be out of action for seven to nine months. Now, during her time out of the ring, she ends up doing commentary with Byron Saxton on main events and works as a road agent, potentially, you know, rounding out her resume and just thinking about some other stuff that she could possibly do when her in-ring career is done. By this point, her, Nick, and Donovan are living in Richmond, Virginia, but they buy a second home in Nashville so she'll be closer to the country music scene because she's still doing music, she's still putting out albums and songs. By spring of 2020, she's healed up from her surgery, she's ready to wrestle, but the COVID pandemic has hit in full force. So even though she's good to wrestle, she decides not to. She decides she'd rather stay at home with her husband and her five-year-old for the time being. She finally returns to Raw August of 2020 after 14 months being away. And she has her eyes set on Asuka, who's now Raw Women's Champion. Mickey wants to get her win back. They have a match on Raw that September, which ends awkwardly. The referee calls for the bell because he thinks Mickey's concussed. Legitimately, she isn't. I guess she was just selling, but it's enough for him to call the bell. It's an awkward uh, thing. And then a week later, Mickey loses to Zelina Vega in her final WWE match. Well, her final singles match, I should say. It's draft time again that fall. And Mickey is one of these handful of people who isn't drafted to Raw or SmackDown. They're called free agents. They're left with their, like, what's going to happen? Where are they going to turn up? Who knows? The reason this is for Mickey is because management is really trying to, like, nudge her into hanging up the boots. They have her working backstage as a producer. They're saying, like, hey, you know, there's all sorts of things backstage you'd be great at. You should really work backstage. We'd love to see you backstage. And Mickey thinks about it because, you know, she's like up to four. She's like coming up on 40 now. She says, okay, I could work as a producer. Like, I'd love to like help spearhead Evolution 2 or maybe like an all-women brand. That would be really cool. They're like, no, we don't want to do that. That's not, that's not, that's nothing. Women's wrestling? You. 
So she doesn't appear on TV again until January. And when she does, it's like a little comedy skit at Legends Night where she's backstage with Tatanka and Sergeant Slaughter. It's not. It's nothing. She does enter the Royal Rumble. She's eliminated in seven minutes. And that's her final WWE match. April 15th, she's released from WWE. And infamously, her belongings are mailed to her in a garbage bag. This went, this went viral because she tweeted out a photo of a garbage bag that, with Mickey James written on it in tape, which prompted Gail Kim to, re, to respond to her tweet and say, do they still do that? <laughs> which brought out Maria and Jillian Hall, who were like, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. I remember that. But Mickey's tweet actually gains enough traction that Stephanie McMahon and Triple H both tweet out apologizing and and assuring Mickey that the person responsible was fired. That person was Vince McMahon. No, just kidding. June 2021, Mickey James debuts for the new NWA on an episode of Power. She announces she'll be an executive producer for their upcoming all-women event, Empower. Producers for the event will be Mickey James, Gail Kim, Medusa, Jazz, and Lufisto, a murderer's row of legends. Yes, um, named after me, obviously. M Power. Since Evolution, Mickey has spent years trying to get WWE to do a second Evolution, but was, quote, cut off at every opportunity and told that, quote, women's wrestling doesn't make money. This is what WWE men told her. So she comes to NWA in part contingent on Billy Corgan allowing her to do this women's pay-per-view empower and show the world that women's wrestling is profitable. Mickey and Billy have been friends for almost 20 years. She met him at his very first TNA taping, that lingerie battle war. He was there that night because he's a big wrestling fan. They've known each other since. He comes over for dinner all the time. Whenever he comes over, he'd be asked like, so what's going on with you? What are they doing with you now? So he says, come to NWA. And she says, okay, can I do like an all-women's pay-per-view? And he says, yeah, okay. You can do it however you want. Hire whoever you want. Mickey says she'll be too busy to wrestle Adam Power, but she is open to wrestling the next night at the NWA 73rd anniversary show. In the build to Empower, Mickey shows up at Impact's pay-per-view Slammiversary. Deanna Perrazzo has just retained the Knockouts title over Thunder Rosa. Mickey shows up to invite Deanna to Empower. Deanna says no. Grab your trash bag. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so Mickey slaps her and takes her out with a super kick. Eventually, Gail Kim manages to mediate things. Diana agrees that she'll defend the knockout's title at Empower over Melina, which she does, and she retains. But backstage, things are not as rosy with Billy Corgan as we would expect, considering that Mickey just came into the NWA. In... December of 2022, a couple of weeks ago, Nick Aldis, now gone from the NWA, said in an interview that disrespect from Billy Corgan towards him and Mickey in the lead up to and aftermath of Empower was a huge reason for his relationship with Billy Corgan souring and the reason that he, that he would walk away from the NWA a year later. Also the reason, presumably, Mickey James is no longer involved with the NWA in any way. Oh, yeah, Nick Aldis. Sorry, just like, you know, ally. Yeah, he's not going to stand for disrespect to his wife, especially. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. I think that's... That's admirable. 
<laughs> I know it's a low bar, but it's, it's admirable because that's where the bar is. So Empower happens. It goes great. Everybody says it's a blast. They never do a second one, though, because Billy Corgan decides he would rather invest in the future of Tyrus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the future of wrestling. Um, there are no uh, TV-ready women. They're not, you know, they're not out there. Um, definitely not any good women wrestlers out there good enough to be uh, on TV. So uh, I guess we're all we're just we're stuck with the subpar the subpar women that we watch on TV elsewhere. But the night after Empower, August 29th, 2021, Mickey does wrestle at the NWA 73rd anniversary show. She takes on Kylie Ray. And I'm watching this one. I forgot. I haven't seen this one in two years, a year and a half. So I'm watching this one and it's, it starts great. It's so fast. They're locking up. They're rolling around the ring. I'm like, this is the fastest pace of any of these matches we've watched. I'm so into this. And it's over a minute later. And I'm like, oh, that's why they're wrestling so fast. Because they were told, you have five and a half minutes. Yeah, it's a quick one. I wouldn't dismiss it totally because of that, though. Like, it is a quick one, but it's a, it's a fun one. It's It moves really quickly. We get to see James, like, really go. Kylie's a very uh, magnetic and very, um, very quick performer, very fast wrestler. And in this playlist especially, we haven't really seen that side of Mickey, like, go against someone who has that speed. Well, I guess Oscar, but like in in the way that Kylie delivers it. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I like this match. I know it's short, but but it pays off. There's important plot movement. Yeah, it is a fun match. It's just a bummer that like of the eight matches on the main card for the show, it's the shortest one. The only of the ten matches on the night, the only one shorter is the women's trios tag on the pre-show. Ten matches, two shortest matches of the night are the two women's matches, and both of them are about five to six minutes yeah and coming off of empower and also given the you know gossip thereof and you know billy's behavior and actions uh, as reported by by nick and others it's clearly they're getting the short shrift intentionally but mickey beats kylie post-match somebody in all black attacks her from behind it's not ashley massaro it is dion frazzo the knockouts champ and this takes us over back into Impact, Mickey's third journey over into Impact territory. It is Bound for Glory 2019, 2021. Oh my God. Bound for Glory 2021, Mickey versus John Perrazzo. You would think this is like TakeOver Toronto, right? Mickey's just coming in for a one-off to put over Deanna, make her look good, give her a little rub. Because Mickey's not contracted to TNA at this time. This is her first match in the company in years. Instead, reversal. Mickey beats Deanna to win the Knockouts Championship for a fourth time, and she's here to stay. On episode 900 of Impact Wrestling, Mickey <laughs> retains over her longtime, longtime rival, Madison Rain. At turning point that November, she beats Mercedes Martinez. She goes back to the NWA to take on Kira Hogan. And then January 2022, in a shocker, Mickey James enters the Royal Rumble as Impact Knockouts Champion. That's what it says on the Chiron at the bottom of the screen. That's what the commentators say. She walks out holding the Knockouts Championship, and she comes out to Hardcore Country, not her WWE entrance music. Yeah. No, it, Who else has the power? Given all of the context that we've just, like, you know, delved into, like, it's a marvelous F you to WWE. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not coming out as your, as your veteran, as your 
former champion. I'm not coming out as your like, you know, original divas era um, champ. I'm coming out as Mickey fucking James, hardcore country TN, uh, impact women knockouts champion. Like that's who I am. She only lasts 12 minutes, but she's eliminated by Lita. Lita apparently, uh, I guess, avenging her retirement loss from 15 years earlier. Well, there you go. Back into Impact Wrestling at Hard to Kill that January, Mickey retains the knockout title against Deanna Prazo in a Texas death match. Then at No Surrender in February, she retains over Tasha Steeles, but at Sacrifice in March of 2022, Tasha Steeles defeats Mickey to win the knockouts title. And that's the end. Nope. Not the end? That's not the end. Around this time, TNA and NWA start to work together. And an interview with Billy Corgan from this time period says, Mickey James is responsible. Billy Corgan had a lot of bad blood with TNA. You remember, he wanted to, he owned the company for a period there, and then they screwed him over in different ways. So as much as what we just said about him and Nick and Mickey with Empower, again, people are complicated. You know, nobody... The, Outside of Vince McMahon, nobody's an asshole all the time. So Billy Corgan credits and says, Mickey is the one who built that bridge between TNA and NWA and brought us back together. Mickey continues in TNA through the summer, but she starts to have doubts about her future. And so on September 1st, on Impact Wrestling, she announces the last rodeo. From now on, every match I wrestle will be win or go home. If I lose, I'm done. And I'm not going to stop until I win the title. She beats Rochelle Rose, Hyann, Giselle Shaw, Lizzie Evo, Mia Yim, Chelsea Green, Taylor Wilde. She wrestles some tag matches in there. Her match against Deanna Perrazzo this past fall is her highest rated cage match match for her entire career. It's, it's, it was a match on weekly TV. It's ranked higher than any of those Trish Stratus matches, any of her championship matches from the past. Her match in 2022 at the age of 37, not no, sorry, at the age of 42, fans say best match of her career. Well, I mean, they're they they're not necessarily wrong. I mean, she can still go, and we know Deanna can go. So this takes us into 2013. Hard to kill Mickey versus Jordan Grace title versus career. The last rodeo is over, and Mickey James is your new knockouts champion. Yeah, I kind of like that match. It was all right. We talked about it all on our last week's episode. Go listen to that. And this is where we are now, in the present. Mickey James is still your knockouts champion. She will retire eventually. When, where, how, why, who is the question. Yeah, who, like, at this point, she gets to name it, you know? Aside from someone in, like, WWE, like, she gets to name who takes her out. In a 2020 interview with the magazine Cowboys and Indians, she says, I've been wrestling for just over 20 years. For women, the career is always much shorter. Men can wrestle till their 60s. Women can too, but it's rare. I've done so much, I don't have a ton more to prove. Her first defense of the Knockouts Championship is confirmed February 24th at Impact's No Surrender show against Masha Slamovich. She has never wrestled Killer Kelly. She's never avenged her loss of the championship to Tasha Steeles last year. Since she lost to Tasha, she's beaten Tasha four times in take matches, but never one-on-one. Hmm. All right. Last week, Gail Kim said that she would come out of retirement to wrestle Mickey if she asked. Hell yes. 
last year, not even a couple months ago, Charlotte Flair was asked about dream matches and the first name on her list was Mickey James. When Mickey was asked last week about her own dream matches, she said that she never wrestled Sasha Banks in WWE. Oh, and wow. also name dropped Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Jade Cargill. Hmm. Mickey says, I want to go out in a blaze of glory. It's not about wins or losses, obviously. I want to be a champion's champion. I want to be able to have the opportunity to test myself against a whole new class of women when there's opportunities now that were never available before. I absolutely love when companies work together to give the fans something special. And I just mentioned how she almost single-handedly brought the NWA and the TNA into working together after years of bad blood between TNA and Billy Corgan. Yeah, despite the fact that she has bad blood with Billy Corgan as well. We just talked about her entering the Royal Rumble as Impact Knockouts champion. Yes. I I don't know what the future holds for Mickey James. I she's she's 43. She probably isn't going to wrestle into through into her 60s. Although I'd love it if she did. She pulled a sting. <laughs> she said once her wrestling career is over, she wants to own a farm. You know, a proper horse farm with chickens and everything. She already has two horses and a, two dogs and a cat. All I know, I don't know anything. But after <laughs> all of this, after all of what we just talked about. I would place good money. We see Mickey James in AEW this year. And I'm wondering if we see her in WWE again. Oh. She wants Charlotte. Charlotte wants her. And Mickey says, quote, I love when companies work together. Well, she may love it, but who knows? With WWE being in the state that it is, it's hard to say. The future of WWE is always a mess. But the fact that she mentioned Baker, like she'd love to wrestle Baker and Hater and Jade and Mercedes Monet. It's fucking Mickey James. I think if she wants to, it'll happen. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to crowdfund a cruise ship. We're going to go to international waters and we're going to get Charlotte. We're going to get Mickey. We're going to get them on the cruise ship. They can fight in international waters. Mickey James is hardcore country rager at sea. <laughs> oh God, the bands on that will probably be of the Chris Jericho's Rocket Rager level. But we will get a Mickey James uh, country performance, so it won't be all bad. Brought to you by Dr. Pepper. Taste the country. That's our episode. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grickler Pod. I have to guess that this one... You know, right now, listeners, I don't. This, what did we just do? Two and a half hours? This is a long Good one. Good Lord. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going horse. My cats are PO'd that they did not get their nightly treats an hour ago like they're supposed to. I cannot believe how late it is. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon. Tell us who you want to hear us cover next time on Living Legends, our series where we spotlight the greatest women still going today. Next week on the podcast, we will be talking about the Royal Rumble. Will Mickey James be in it again for a second year in a row as Knockouts champion? I don't think so, but stranger things have happened. I mean, who knows? It's the Rumble. 